And here we are at episode 16 of the Behind the Business podcast, the music industry podcast where I speak to as many different people from the UK music industry as I possibly can to find out about them, about the role or roles that they have had and about their motivations and everything in between. This week uh, we're talking music publishing and we're talking A&R specifically uh, with Flash Taylor. I met Flash uh, many years ago uh, when I joined the sync team at Sony ATV. Uh, Flash was just uh, was an amazing person to have round. He was so open and warm and willing to discuss music. He was willing to discuss pretty much anything. And at the time, I was an intern, so it, people like that in the music industry mean a lot to those coming up. Um, so I kind of big thank you for me personally for Flash for 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 listening to me waffle on when I was an intern, but also for getting involved so early doors on this new podcast that I'm doing. Um, I went round to Flash's East London flat uh, in the summer of last year and had a chat over a few beers um, about everything. A&R really, everything publishing A&R as well and what it takes to be an A&R, um, A&R scouting, what a day in the life of looks like and kind of anything and everything in between. Um, it was a really fun conversation so thank you very much to Flash for, for having me for the hour or so that I, was, that I spoke to him. Yeah, so I think I'm not going to chat on, I'm going to let the conversation literally do the talking. So here is me chatting with Flash Taylor. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I haven't seen uh, you in ages. God, when was the last time we saw each other? Um, At any great length. Anyway, I, I saw, I see I saw you, you outside a, a venue or a pub in Camden, I think. That's, the last that's my natural habitat, a venue or pub, usually the both. The natural habitat of the A&R man. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so how's, how's tricks? How's Tri things going? Tricks are good. Um, still working in the music industry, which is, yeah. which is great. Uh, still music publishing, which is my favourite aspect of the music industry. Um, I'm now working as a consultant at Bucks Music Publishing, mm -hmm. which is a, a great independent. Uh, and I like working for independent companies. Um, it's kind of, uh, here's to maybe my, my culture really. Kind of right. grew up with a lot of independent bands, independent record labels that I really loved. And uh, yeah, it's different. It's, 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 it's good. I like the independence. Cool, we'll, we'll come back around to that. Cool. I wanted to start Talking about music publishing, mm -hmm. uh, and actually you've uh, you've come up with a, a lovely soundbite that it's that it's your favourite area of the music industry, and I want to kind of dig into that a little bit. Okay, kind of why why music publishing? Why not the the glitz and glamour of record labels? I think glitz and glamour is probably <laughs> a, 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 a don't I don't really know if that really sort of exists. Um, I think. Uh, Getting back to publishing, I think I was 
the interesting thing was was I fell into publishing. Okay. Um, when I first started, uh, my first job when I moved to the UK in the music industry was was in the post room at Zomba Records. Right. And that was just a hit and hope. I want to work with music. Well, even getting that far was 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 was, was tough to even get into the into a postering job. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, essentially, just sort of going back to the start, I moved I moved here in nineteen ninety nine, and with 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 the, the absolute hope of trying to get into the music industry. With the music industry being at its absolute peak. I think 99 was, was about as good as it's ever got for the music industry in terms of revenue and turnover and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, um, it was, it was, there was, it was a lot of money in the music industry mm. uh, back then. And of course, this was long before downloads. It was long, it was before Napster. Yep. So when I first started, Napster just started, Napster happened, I think in 2000 or 2001, just as I started. So here's me in the post room wandering around all the different offices uh, with carte blanche so long as I was carrying a bottle of water or changing a light bulb. Um, and the interesting thing was was that Zomba Music, uh, Zomba Records had a music publishing company. Mm-hmm. And while I was franking all the envelopes at the end of the day so the post could get delivered, um, I ended up becoming quite friendly with a guy called Michael Morley who was the A&R guy for Zomba Music Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, at this stage, I didn't have a clue on what music publishing was. Um, do you think many people do at that stage? Or at least did? I, I, I don't think a lot of people did back then. Um, I, again, I th- still think it's probably considered more of the dark arts of the two if you compare publishing with records. But um, it was kind of interesting to me to meet this A&R guy and I just heard the letters A and R and I was like oh you're the guy that I want to hang out with I guess you're in a record label but he was like no actually I'm a music publisher mm-hmm. so and I was like well number one I didn't know music publishers had A&R people number two I didn't know what music publishing was so uh, <laughs> but it was I'd made a I made a bit of a, a, a I'd worked very hard and made a huge effort at the post room because I didn't want to leave you know mm-hmm. it was I was there as a um I was there as a, a temp, um, which was which was tricky because I knew it was always going to have a limited timeline. Right. Um, so I went about my way to make myself invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy Michael from Zombie Music Publishing kind of saw that, saw the effort I was putting in, and he was looking for an assistant. So happy accident. Uh, well, yeah, you know, I think I think luck is a huge part of this, but um, also if you're if you use luck and opportunity, you can you can hopefully survive. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, this the, you know I sort of sat down with Michael and he told me what he needed, but he of course had his boss, who was the MD, a guy called Stephen Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of said to Michael, I said, well, "Look, I think the problem that we'll have here is Zomba's policy isn't to kind of convert temp contracts into full time contracts, because obviously you have to sort of pay the, the temp." agencies a finder's fee or something like that um, and Zomba didn't really like to do that they like to employ internally from the ground up um, and I was just there just to kind of fill hands really so I, I had my first interview my, I had my first chat with Michael then I went to the head of HR uh, and she told me the same thing but mm-hmm. she said look I'll still get you 
the meeting with Stephen Howard, you know, uh, the head of publishing tomorrow, you can have the interview, but I don't want you to get your hopes up too much. And I was just like, oh, fine, okay. So anyways, I sat down with the interview with the, the head of uh, Zombie Music Publishing here in the UK, and we got to the end, and I thought it was going really well, and I, you know, he, uh, the head of HR uh, didn't explain the scenario, the policy, so I had to bring it up in the, in the interview. And Stephen was like, well, that's really interesting. How would you, how would you combat that problem? And I sort of said, well, it would be very simple if you give me the job, take the fee out of my first year's annual salary. So essentially I'd pay the fee for the temp contract. Right. Um, and Stephen was just like, you'd be willing to do that. And I said, well, I didn't really go to university. I'd consider it kind of my university fees. Okay. So learning on the job sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. The next day I got the job. Uh, and the first paycheck I got was not was was considerably less because I they they, they didn't they, even out of the goodness of no, their hearts they, go you know what <laughs> wow he's what a great guy he's he's offered that let's not let's not let him do that come on no they they did so I I, I you know I didn't pay my way to get into the music no, no, industry no. but uh, I wasn't going to let anything any kind of small policy stop me from continuing mm-hmm. um, so I was there for three years and um, I learned the basics about music publishing by still changing water bottles and making tea and changing light bulbs and stuff like that. Um, I was, you know, an element of the job was building manager. Another element of the job was still doing the post. Um, but another element was, you know, going through the unsolicited demos that we'd get and having a listen. And one thing, one aspect that, well, one thing that I wasn't expected to do was to go and see music. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I certainly wasn't, they weren't, weren't going to entertain the idea of giving me expenses like they would an A&R scout because I was an A&R assistant. Mm-hmm. But again, that wouldn't stop me. Uh, Is that still the case? Um, in the industry? Yeah. It depends. What do the roles mean? Well, it depends, on, it depends on different companies. Right. Uh, each company has a different sort of set of, uh, of, of what they want from an A&R assistant or an A&R scout or an A&R manager. But right. um, with, with Zomba, it wasn't necessary for me to go and see shows. It wasn't part of my role. But they didn't stop me. Um, I started doing about three shows every night uh, around Camden, which is where a lot of the activity was at the time. Uh, all the all the venues were there, and so you know, each week I'd get the enemy when the enemy was very relevant. Just mm-hmm. scour through it and sort of uh, go to the listings page at the back, do that, and, and you know, at the same time going through Time Out magazine, which was very important. But you got to remember, this was before the internet. Yeah. I mean, the internet existed. But um, it took about a week to get onto it. <laughs> well, there was that, and and you know, we, we didn't really use the internet to listen to music. So it was a lot of it was getting in touch with managers and so, demos. Staying in that area. So at the beginning, it was very much enemy timeout listings, that sort of stuff. Radio One playlist. What is the equivalent for an A and R person now? How how do I how do I source new music now? Well, yeah, just generally, you know, what is scouting in the in A and R these days? Scouting because everybody will say, "Oh, yeah, you just you've got you're listening to thousands and thousands of songs that are just there on Spotify and stuff like that." True, you can. It's, it's, there's an awful lot just sitting there. Well, so that, well what that's is the it, what's the equivalent? Okay, in well, the, the the kind of the touchstones that I use, um, you know, sort of various playlists I use, which are you know, New, New Music Friday is very interesting. Um, because it's it's a very long playlist, but it usually sort of starts off with the the more sort of established acts. You know, track one, track two, track three, all the way to down to track five will be more established. Yep. The new Nicki Minaj song or whatever. Whereas uh, 
if you kind of sort of go a bit deeper, that's where there's kind of new bands that are kind of probably unpublished at the time, mm-hmm. and for that to be for them to be on the new uh, you know, uh, New Music Friday is is a bit of an achievement in itself in terms of the band's growth and career. And what I do is I hit shuffle. Um, I don't listen to it from track one to track whatever. I just shuffle the playlist. So anything that I think sort of stands out to me, I'll go over and check it and go, oh, okay, this is a young band from Bristol, or mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a you know it's a singer songwriter from Manchester or Edinburgh, mm-hmm. and then do the do the internet digging, go on the Facebook pages, uh, see see what kind of activity that they have online. Some some songwriters, well, I'll say artists. Uh, to start yeah. with, and we'll get into the songwriter thing afterwards, um, are better at social media than others. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the artists kind of have grown up with the internet and they've learned how to utilize it for their own business, uh, and their business obviously being music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's 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 very helpful. Also, you know, there's there's certain uh, blogs that I really like. Um, the obvious ones like the Line of Best Fit, Four O Five. They're very good. Hugh Stevens's playlist is very good because um, obviously he plays a lot of new music. Yeah. Uh, he are broadcasts you, on Radio One, but then he puts it all up on his own playlist. Are so. you ever daunted at just the amount? Yes, that's absolutely. There? And is that ramp? Have you? I mean, obviously, from someone who's been doing it since two thousand, you've seen the shift. You've seen the last mm-hmm. eighteen years worth of it changing from it kind of it being a box of unsolicited demos for the for the most for the part, most part yeah. to the internet, where just everything is there and there's no filter possibly there's, 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 no filtering. there's no filtering on the <laughs> yeah internet. you can't penetrate it at all well it's it's funny because um you know that's where you use your ears a lot and also you know but does do you have to listen to a lot more so you're get you're trying to churn through it a lot more you know do you give music the same amount of time now as you did it's it's well again my role is very different from when i started so i was an a assistant then i went into becoming an a scout when i got made redundant from Zomba. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Sony ATV as an A&R consultant there. Um, and that was literally me getting on the phone. I worked from home, but I went into the office twice a week. Mm-hmm. But it was me getting on the phone, calling managers. The first three years when I was at Zomba and going to those three bands, I built, I built a strong network of contacts, which yep. still stands to this day. So not trying to veer too much off your off your question mm-hmm. I just think this is this is relevant to the answer mm-hmm. of what of the question you just asked um, it was tips it was it was kind of keeping your ear to the ground it was doing meetings with, with like-minded people you know A&R people guys or girls who are out on the ground floor going have you heard this yet have you heard that yet um, and then if you didn't have the contact if you didn't know the manager hoping they liked you enough to give you the details and then you'd get on the phone so when I worked from home on any given day I could have anywhere between five and ten pa- packages turning up uh, in the post from my home address the post yeah. in my local area must have hated me <laughs> but um, so then I'd just listen to the music and then sort of take it into an A&R meeting uh, and people go yeah that's that's good we should get the meeting get a meeting with the manager for that band I don't like that too much um, and then sort of move from there. Uh, that's kind of how it was done then, how it's done now, or how I do it. I, I mean, to be honest with you, it's such an abundance of music. I just sometimes I find stuff and I just don't even realise how I found it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's coming at you yeah, in yeah. all different you know different different directions. 
Um, you know, I, I think the tip thing is still very important. It's still, you know, it's still important to have a, a relatively good reputation uh, as, as an A&R person. Uh, so people will be willing to tell you stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I get a lot of calls from managers who have got writers who are unpublished, uh, and I might have known them for a while, and they're like, you know what, I'd really like to introduce my writer to Flash, he seems like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do meetings with managers and then they'll bring their writers in. I could be at a gig um, and checking out the headline, but maybe get there early and see a little bit of the support, and if the support act is, is, is good, I'll go, well, that's actually quite interesting. I'll go back to the office and then I'll do some digging online and figure out if there's mm-hmm. any kind of connection. If not, I'll just send out a Facebook or whatever and okay. just say, hey, I caught the end of your set. It's very good. What, what are you up to? Um, the, even though the music industry has dramatically changed from when I started to where it is now, I, I always say that the, the music industry isn't changing. It's in constant change. It's yeah, in flux. Yeah, 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 it's totally. never going to stop. No. So, you know, we're not you know, saying point A to point B is... But there of, is, but uh, that's that's based on me, not the industry. But also way. from, I mean, this the the part of the industry that we have both <clears throat> been in, yeah, has there's been a huge, great shift, more so than ever, with just basically access. It's, yeah, that's ab- the difference. Well, ab- absolutely, and I think it's I think it's important to if if you are a young songwriter and you're writing your own music and you want to get up online, you can. You don't you don't need the same steps as maybe you, you did back in the day, um, where it'd be potentially impressing a manager first, mm-hmm. manager them working with you, or a band up to a certain level where everyone's comfortable that the manager will then be able to sort of book shows, invite people down, and get you know meetings with, with, with people like me. Um, now it's, it's, if you're so inclined, you can, you can start your business from the off. Um, I mean, uh, stat, a lot of people sort of, you know, stats are the devil or whatever. No, stats, stats are there and it would be... Necessary evil. Well, they're there <laughs> and it'd be, it'd be silly if we didn't use them, mm. but it's, it's how we use them. Um, I've, this is quite a, a, a good time to go back to that, that original questioning about okay. why publishing instead of in terms records. of In terms of records. Um, again... And the question was why why I why I why I like the fact that I found publishing. Yeah. Um, I find publishing is it's it's a very creative process. Um, if you if I work with songwriters, whether they be artists themselves or they're writing songs for other people, um, and you put that in the fact that I'm I'm doing it for an independent company. Um, if one of my writers calls me, I have to take that call just mm-hmm. find out what's going on if it was a session that I booked has kind of fallen apart or whatever also even defining what sessions said songwriter would like to do means there's a great deal of conversation going on with that because I need to figure out the skill sets of the writers that I work with um, mm-hmm. you know I can't put a certain writer in with a certain project because it just won't work but then again a certain, one of my writers might be really interested in going into a session that, that is a little different because you could get something completely different out of that. So it's, that's why I love doing music publishing. I get to talk to these writers and go, what do you want to do? So even when I get an opportunity for one of these writers, and we're, this is predominantly talking about the writers who don't make their own music, yeah. um, or perform their own music, I should say. Yep. Um, 
I will then I'll, I'll send the opportunity through. First thing is first is like here's a link. Do you like the music? And I won't say anything else about it. And the writer will then come back and go, that's eh, not for me, or oh, I really like that. If it's not for me, is the response I'll go. Okay, the reason I sent this is because it's the project is attached to a very good manager, or it's it's signed to it. It's just been signed to a good label or what have you. Have another listen and tell me what you think. And the writer will then come back and go, actually, well, because there's a good manager that it probably would be worthwhile doing the session. But sometimes my writers are really good and they're like, get it, but still I don't know what I could bring to this session. Other times, mm-hmm. you send music and they're like, love it, give me a session. You know, well, it's still not managed, it's not signed. They're like, don't care, I love this, I love that voice, I love, you know. So I'm constantly surprised. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, is I get to talk to these guys or girls daily and that to me is very creative and they trust me and I trust them. So I'm really kind of at the coal face a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I find very exciting because you never know that song that's been written in that day. There's a lot of songs that are written every single day on this planet. Yeah. Um, but I've seen a great song go from a session all the way through to it being a pretty well-known song mm-hmm. or a song that has managed to actually make money for itself, whether it be sync or whether it's been cut for a record, uh, for an artist's record. On a day-to-day basis, yeah. would you say that you're, the majority of your role is doing that sort of stuff as opposed to going out and trying to find the next big band it's it's kind of both um it it, it's it's both but more um that's the other great thing for 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 certainly for music publishing i'm sure it's maybe similar for other aspects of the music industry but i don't really find that i have any day quite the same um you know that I, I know what I need to I know what my job is mm-hmm. but it can change on how I do the job so you're saying is it still going out about going to see bands live well yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely is it still about getting writers on attached to good projects absolutely um, is it still about kind of finding time to go on the 405 or, or the line of best fit or Hugh Stevens's playlist yeah, absolutely. It's it's just basically trying what to. What else sort of, is it? Well, we've we've started a list. It's God. What, what else what, is it? Um, what else happens on a week to week basis? Well, tomorrow I've got a meeting with a manager of a producer, um, a, a number of producers actually. Uh, we're just kind of just having a catch up, but interesting. One of our producers has actually worked with one of my artists recently, so it'll be good to catch up on that, but also find out which writers that she has or uh, which producers she has also writes and if there's any if there's any kind of correlational connection that, that like with my roster at Bucks to what she's doing with her roster of managers mm-hmm. so that's another thing um, then there's then there's the boring stuff like I have to report you mm-hmm. know, I have to write reports so I have to sort of explain what I'm up to elaborating on your targets and things like that what are the what are the things that are expected of an A&R person in in music publishing at the moment again it depends on the company you work for so um, independent company that's where you are at, at the moment absolutely wonderful uh, people at Bucks yeah Simon and Sarah they're, they're awesome um, I, I you know look I think the expectation is at the end of the day to to bring money through the door 
Um, whether that be signing an artist that goes on to, to be successful or uh, certainly successful in, in, in the way that that said artist can have a career. Yeah, yeah. Um, where, you know, so I work with, a, work with a great talent at the moment, a girl called Brooke Bentham. She's signed to an independent record label. She's signed to an independent music publishing company. Yeah. And she's got a great manager. And in the time that we will, you know, our goal is to take her from, you know, I always say to Brooke, like in her favorite artists have played the Roundhouse, to Angel Olsen and all that sort of stuff, the Roundhouse venue in Camden. And mm-hmm. I think that I think the capacity is 4,000, I think, um, give or take. Yeah. But, you know, I explained to Brooke that one day, if we get everything right, she'll be in the same position. Mm-hmm. And I think... You take that, you know, is that an expectation from my bosses that that will happen? No, I think the expectation is that I'll do everything in my power to, to facilitate my role in that, mm-hmm. to, to, to make it happen. And that could be helping her with, you know, with, with kind of basically, you know, there's, there's certain writers that I think she'll like to work with. Um, but I'm not going to sort of fill her diary to do sessions every single day because I don't think she'll flourish in that environment okay so I think the expectation from my boss Sarah and Simon is to essentially well you're an A&R person you've signed this artist you're the point person the expectation is is work accordingly with that artist Mm -hmm. to a level to to keep so instilling that the fact that the the project will still be growing that's an expectation on on an artist side on the non-performing songwriters the expectation is to make sure that the writers are in the right rooms, so they've got a chance to actually get records cut, mm-hmm. providing opportunities and introductions that will get stronger and stronger. Um, and then, you know, ideally, in about ten years, they're they're, they're writing the next Adele record. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not an expectation. That's that's a target. Oh, that, yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. not really a target. It can't be. It's too nebulous. <sighs> but it's it's the idea of providing the right sessions, um, making sure that our writers are moving forward constantly and getting getting bolder and bolder with their, with their talent. And, and so on the flip side of that, and I guess it's a tricky one, it's something that has been touched upon in, in another one of these conversations, splitting up independents and majors, because there's three majors and there's an awful lot of broad-ranging yeah, yeah, yeah. independents. But from someone who has spent time in both sectors... Mm-hmm. Is there a, a a big difference when you're in the kind of the microcosm uh, of, yeah. of a major company? I think there is, and the, the the differences once you kind of break them down are are quite quite obvious. Um, with the majors, the resources at my time at Sony TV, I think my my resources were, were, were broader. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the expectations at the majors were, oh my God, I can't believe you weren't on that band that have just signed to EMI Pub- or Universal Publishing for X amount. Okay, so kind of weirdly glass half empty. Um, as in always defined. looking, well just as in you said looking at the things of, oh, I can't believe you didn't do that. Or you weren't on to, this. Oh, or... amazing, you did do that. Well, it's uh, no. Well, the thing is, is remember, you know, with 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 the, with the majors, it's it's kind of very much about market share. Um, and the thing is, is if if you have a job for at a major for 
three years, say, and your kind of competitors are signing everything huge, but you've still got like for like resources mm-hmm. to your competitors. It's like, well, what's going, what's going wrong here? Right. Um, why, why weren't you on that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, for me, my, as an A&R manager, when I was at Sony, it was about being on as much as possible. Um, I was kind of more artist driven at, yeah. at Sony ATV. Um, the world has changed. So I've kind of segued my understanding of working with non-performing writers has, 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 Okay. Got bigger and bigger over the uh-huh. years that I've been doing it. Um, so, you, so you've grown into a different type of A and R person now uh, than you yeah. would necessarily. When we were working together back in the day, yeah, back, yeah. In, back in the day. I mean, so. it was you know, I, there was an expectation for me to, to do that, but I think uh, well, certainly for the first five or six years when I was at Sony. Um, it was just basically trotting the streets, getting out there, getting out there, getting out there. Because again, the, the music culture at the time was very much bands. Mm-hmm. So Radio 1 were playing bands like Razor Light and the Wombats and um, the Arctic Monkeys and you know what, what have you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the natural habitat of these, these bands would, would be playing live. Mm-hmm. But if things were starting to connect and we weren't there or we weren't kind of seriously considering an offering yep. offering, and then they went on to be huge mm-hmm. that would have been a problem um, thankfully I worked with some very very you know sort of household name type stuff um, so I was I was good for a time I did pass on some huge names um, which is an occupational hazard surely everybody in your line of work has yeah. got at least one of those yeah. stories a- a- absolutely uh, in some cases more than more than one um, I mean the person at Decca Records back in the 60s the Beatles, who passed on the, the Beatles, Beatles right. I don't think he will have ever lived that one down it's still referenced yeah. you know but at the same time I mean um, I, I think the thing is is I think there still has to be an element of understanding at a major level between the A and R person and and the talent and the team around that talent as well. Mm-hmm. So some of the some of the things I worked with, I could always pick up the phone to the manager when I saw the writer or the, the performer um, would get on. You know, there had to be some sort of element of yeah, he's our publisher, he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, with independence, it's it's kind of we're we're trying to be there early. We're trying to see talent early. Um, so we can kind of get involved early and help maybe the developmental process. Yep. Um, so it's not about signing what's happening right now. We're potentially signing things that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's. I think that's again a reason why I like the independence a little bit because it's a little bit more music facing. This is not to do any um, not to, any disrespect to 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 you know to A&R people no, at no, no, majors no, no. But there is, because it is music facing as well but, but there is still and I remember talking about it a lot that majors are good at what they do and yeah. that's not necessarily getting a, an artist from zero yeah to well the I mean, they're, they're good at getting an artist from where they've got to to even well that's even bigger heights I mean that's the thing my, you know my boss is always saying to me you know we sign what we love here which is great okay which is, you know, to hear, to have a boss say that to you mm-hmm. is fantastic, right? So it's like, you know, when we have A&R meetings, we're sitting down and, you know, I play some music. It's just like, do you love this? And it's, it's funny because sometimes Sarah and I differ. Sarah can only sign what she falls in love with, whereas I'm kind of like, I think I'm dating this for a while, but I want to sort of kind of sort of feel it, a little, feel it out a little more. Sometimes I fall madly in love and I'm like, yes, yeah. I want to marry this. You know? know. Um, other times I'm like, no, I see something here, but it's still, it hasn't, it hasn't 
Mm-hmm. I haven't fallen in love yet. But um, it's, it's nice to actually use this language, you know, kind of quite romantic language when you're talking about art mm-hmm. in, 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 in a commercial sense. For instance, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, I'm compelled from the moment that I saw her live. I'd heard the music previously, uh, the manager is a good friend, and, and I was like, I like this, this is good. And he goes, Well, why don't you come to a gig? And I was like, oh, Cool, I will. Went and had a beer with uh, the manager, Neil, uh, when I saw the show, and I was just like, Right, I get this. I completely understand this. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to stick around and see the headline band, but I was like, I need to know what makes this girl tick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of sat her down and with the manager uh, upstairs in the bar and I was like, right, why, what, what is this, tell me. And because I was quite excited and she was just like, this is a very curious man who's talking, you know, he's quite, he seems to be quite excited about something. She's just played a gig, you know, mm-hmm. but I saw something. Um, so from that moment on, I was like, I, I, yeah, I think I'm in love. I think I'm smitten, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think the, the, the music was excellent. Her voice was incredible. And then from that point on, and it takes a while to sort of take it from that discovery point to actually a deal of sorts, because you have to yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. do all that. Mm-hmm. But in that process, I got to know Brooke more as a, as a, as a human, okay. got to know what sort of music she liked. I managed to whip a couple of artists her way that she hadn't heard of before, which went on to inspire her to mm-hmm. write it in a certain way. At the same time, I learned the fact that She's not the artist that will thrive in that, right, these two days you're with us, writer. these two days you're with us, writer. Friday, do your own thing, next week you're in with another writer, another two days with one writer, another two days with another writer. So by the end of any given month, the artist, or two months even, the artist could have done that for all that time mm-hmm. with all these different people and got an abundance of songs, but with no real direction. Um, and some artists thrive in that environment, whereas I got to learn during the courtship that the, the that it would be not the best way for me to do it as a publisher. What I do is take the information that I have from Brooke uh, in terms of the artist that, that I think she is. She, she, I could be completely wrong. It's all yeah. perception at the end of the day. But it seems to be going right so far. And it's just the idea of kind of like, okay, here we go. Here's, here's a great writer called Erlen Cooper who you've met before. Why don't you guys go and write a song? And they, and they do, and they write great songs together. And then while that's happening and that they will get together maybe once every month, once every two months when time allows for both their schedules. But in the meantime, I'll, I'll be finding other writers that I think Brooke will like. And then what I do is I set up what's known as the cup of tea session, uh, where they sit down and they talk about music. And then if the chemistry is there or if there's some sense of chemistry, we then book a session. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I do with, being an independent music publisher and this premise still works at the majors this is what the majors do as well I'm able to take the time to do this correctly I think with the majors the the, the writers and I'm probably telling tales out of school here but the writers that I worked with that that were doing the most probably would get more attention at the majors uh, as opposed to the ones that were trying to sort of bubble up Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that's the nature of of major label publishing and and it's fine it works it's it's great whereas As I said before, we're trying to get this talent 
to that level. Yeah. Um, as opposed to kind of maintaining that level. Um, and you know, I think I think if you're a writer like you know some of the some of the biggest writers in this country, like Fraser T. Smith or um, Wayne Hector or whatever, you know, the, the, the hit makers. Mm-hmm. You demand the attention yeah, from, from yeah, the major totally. label publisher. You know, totally. you're signing, so you know how dare you not? You know, so and I and I think that's the dynamic there that works very very well. There's some amazing music publishers uh, at you know the Sony ATVs of the world, uh, the BMGs, the Universals, um, who who are, are just incredible at what they do. Mm-hmm. I think what I do is still that kind of more artist-driven thing that mm-hmm. I love, but also understanding and trying to work in accordance with the artist and because and it works well because uh, I think that's the expectations that I get from my bosses yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what I wanted to join the music industry for as well I had a brilliant time at Sony it was a wonderful wonderful time in my life but I kind of prefer this Somewhat caught up in the EMI Sony. It was. It stuff. was. It was. It was on the way. Uh, the check was definitely in the mail, but um, I unfortunately got made redundant the year that it started becoming. Uh, but I mean, something that big, it's not just going to happen over a week. No, no, so no. So they're going to they're going to know right. We're doing this. This is, the, you know, two of the four biggest companies coming together. Mm-hmm. Right? things are going to have to change and that is going to be a there's going to be a long leading so from a from not necessarily talking about any specifics but from being within the kind of the machine so much knowing the and hearing the whispers and all that sort of stuff what is that like when you're kind of in it and you're kind of trying to get on with a job but you know that change is happening yeah well I mean that could mean one of so many different Absolutely. things. Absolutely. I mean, look, it, it, it brings its fair share of anxiety if that's what you're driving at. It certainly does. Um, it's, it's, but it, it depends on how... Again, I, 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 it, was, it was definitely whispered about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. But it hadn't... Nothing, nothing had happened with the merger yet. Right. But nothing had been announced or anything. That happened post me leaving. Mm-hmm. But you could feel something was, 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 was coming. I mean... Without going into too much specifics or anything no. like that, you know the the, the nature of of music had changed a little bit, and um, you know because because the internet was here, you know mechanicals were down, you know it was you know it was it, there was anxiety everywhere in the music yeah. industry. So it was just because I was at Sony and there was something that could be coming along, i.e. in the merger. There was that that was another thing to consider. But um, there was an awful lot. Kicking off there was at a, the yeah, time, yeah, a lot, a lot of the time, you know, and um, you know, you'd, you'd you'd have a look at what you know what you when you signed an artist or a writer previously, and you knew that you could guarantee on, you know, well, there's no guarantees, but you mm-hmm. you knew you could weigh in heavily on mechanical royalties, and then suddenly that kind of disappearing before your very eyes, yeah. you're kind of, that's going to bring its fair share. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you kind of have to adapt the way that you work and, you know, performance became, you know, in this day and age with, with music publishing companies and whether it be independent or major, I think a lot of the heavy lifting is down to sync, the sync teams. So, um, you know, because they're, they're, they're obviously the ones that, are, that, that 
are trying to get music out there, you know, um, the sync team that I work with, using Brooke again as an example, my job is to make sure that they are up to speed with everything that's happening. Like the moment when something we know is going to drop or there's a gig, I need the sync team to, to, to bring everyone down to that show. How close... And that's the same thing that happens at the majors as well. I was going to say, how close are you, for want of a better word, leaning on the record label as well? Because um, something that I've always thought from someone who hasn't worked directly within A&R on a publishing side is that you're doing a lot, but the record label, whoever that may be, sure. is working with the face, is working yeah, with the yeah. product. Absolutely. And you've kind of got a duty of going, well, you need to be doing this in this way, in much the same way as you're leaning on the sync teams. With the, with, like the, with, the, with the relationship between publishers and, and, and record labels, it's it's it, it's it's never course by course. It's it's, yeah. it's always very different. <laughs> um, with when I've when I've done work with with major labels, um, again, it's it's for me when I was working with a project that was very high profile or, or a huge priority for 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 a major record label. They have they've got a lot of work to do to to get the music out there uh, yeah. and to build the culture around the artist and or, or if, hopefully the culture will already be there with the artist but mm-hmm. broadcasting that out to the greater world making sure you know um, how we work with majors or independents is, is sometimes they'll sign something and they'll come to us for songwriters that's another relationship we have but without digressing down that line too much mm-hmm. just yet. Starting with the A&R person that signed the artist that I signed, uh, at records that I signed for publishing, is making sure that we had a really great relationship. Um, making sure that there was at least a courtesy that the record label would, were keeping me informed with what was going on with the campaign of the album. Mm-hmm. And then the courtesy that I would be feeding that information to the sync team, and the sync team would be working accordingly, and then we'd all be on the same page. Um, but there are many departments at record labels. So it's the A&R people, and there's the marketing team, and there's the radio, and yeah, the, you know. Yeah. So for me, I think what I did quite well when working with artists at Sony ATV was I kind of got to know all those people, uh, not just the A&R person. Okay. Um, and I'd be going to the gigs with the artists that I signed, but making sure I knew all those people. And they were like, Flash is a great guy, he's a music publisher, look at what do publishers do, but they, I could pick up the phone to them and go, hey, what's going on with a single, or... Uh, when you know when's that when when when's the learner's best fit kind of dropping the exclusive or mm-hmm. so I could get that information from the record label because it was predominantly being driven by them or alongside with the manager yeah. so it's, it's about sharing that information um, I would never be conceited enough to say I forced a record label to do anything because that's just not how no, it works. no I guess I think from uh, I have a very specific memory from when I was in sync of peer music when I reached out to a label right, to kind of go, hey, we should be doing this together. Sure. We have a record coming out. We're the publisher. You're the record label. Mm-hmm. Let's try and come up with a, a cohesive strategy as a partnership because if I land something, then you Absolutely. win. And if you land something, I win. So why don't we do this at the same together. time rather than against one another get what you said and I got a very it was like they'd never been asked that question before I wasn't suggesting I'm not I'm suggesting right. at the moment that they thought it was wrong but it was a you're the first person to ask us that question <laughs> and I found it weird really really weird that I, that was the response well I get what you're saying but you're obviously going from sync to sync 
Whereas I'd be going from A&R to A&R yeah. or A&R to marketing. Well, which is why I'm trying to find yeah. out if it's the same. If well, the, the linchpin there, I think, in both these scenarios, I think, is the manager as well. So the manager, of course, of, for the artist, you said records are coming out, so the artist would have been managed, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, with, with me, I, I, I think the manager is, is clearly the linchpin as well. So you sort of talking to Sync, that's the right way of doing it. I think for me with A&R, it would be talking to the record label, but with the manager being on side as well. Yeah. So it's, um, it's kind of, it's just a big holistic, everybody's... <laughs> holistic, everybody. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, again, it's, it's every, every example is, 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 is different from the last. Mm-hmm. Every, well, every artist is different. Every team is different. So by and large, what I try and do as a music publisher is understand the culture of that. We all have the same end game. Yeah. And it's just how... I can do my part within that process. Um, so it is, you know, picking up a, the phone a lot. It is, you know, you sort of said that you've never been up, you know, public, that the record label has never been asked that by a publisher before. I'm sure they have been. It was, I was just, yeah, I was maybe just, it was just slightly taken aback by the whole thing of, oh, you, you want us to do this together? Right. Okay, that's interesting. Well, that's, and, and, I, and I get that. And I, th- I, I think that, um, I, I, I don't know how strong it is in this day and age, but um, I think certainly with artist-driven pro- projects, certainly on a major la- label level, I think there was not disdain, but it was just like uh, the poorer cousins, the publishers want to want to play as well, you know. And you're kind of like, well, yeah, potentially. Okay, that's that's yeah. fine, and so long as you're happy with that. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I've I've known MDs of of of, of labels who've gone, I bloody hate publishers. They do nothing. But they want all, you know, they want us to pay their licensing and so on, you know. And that, that can be sometimes a fair level, but by and large, I, I, you know, maybe it's just a case that some of these... That's another conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, the interesting thing is, is when you talk to label people, you know, asking what their opinion on publishers is, you know, I can, I can guess maybe what, what some of these guys think, but I think you'll probably get a better answer talking to a record label uh, person about their relationship with yeah. publishers. Um, my relationship with record labels has to be watertight yeah. and how I go about that is just basically finding again with Brooke signed to, uh, signed to Believe uh, Believe's label all points get on really 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 well with the, with, with the A&R person there and we're, when we talk about music when we talk about mixes it's lovely because uh, Will takes my opinion uh, at, in the same, you know we, we have a conversation and my opinion is as is, is valid as, mm-hmm. you know, and which is nice. It's a nice situation to be in. And I think I, that, that as a music publisher, that's great. Yeah. That's a bit of a dream. So you're not having to constantly get your voice heard. Mm-hmm. I think that comes down to also the fact that, that I'm a genius and uh, you know, <laughs> everyone should listen to me. Standard, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just standard modest, I'm, I'm just, everything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> can't have you answering some questions from me without talking about Ultimate Power. <laughs> right. 12 years young. 12 years young, yeah. Um, Do you ever think that you'd be doing it 12 years later in how many different cities do you do I think it we're in eight, eight or nine now. Um, I kind of lost count. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I remember the first one I went to was in the pub in Camden. 
Yeah, that would have been the monarch. Yeah, the monarch. Um, uh, yeah, and that was, our, I think, our second venue that we did mm-hmm. it in. Um, so was it ever, was it just a, uh, let's have a bit of fun and see where it goes? Yeah, well, I th- I th- the weird thing is the first one we did was a Christmas party, and it wasn't even called Off My Power, it was called Power Ballads Christmas or something. We just invited a load of friends down to a venue, and um, everyone had a blast. Uh, and the great thing was, was we were kind of like, well, that was fun. Let's see if we can kind of ask the venue if we can get the venue again and do it again in maybe, yeah. maybe two months. And the promoter at the venue, who I shall not name, um, <laughs> sort of said, this will never work. Uh, <laughs> but we had such a good time doing it that we, we found another venue called Monkey Chews, which is in Chalk Farm. And people just heard about it and they started coming. Um, and we'll do it once every two months, so six, six, six a year in mm-hmm. London. Um, it was never, you know, kind of being in eight cities and being, or nine cities or whatever it is, you know, being at the Ritz in Manchester or the Electric Ballroom in Camden. But no, we, of course we didn't. We didn't sort of kind of, right, in 12 years we're going to be Here's there. Here's the business Here's plan. Here's the business plan. Um, it, was, it wasn't really by design at the start. It was just fun. Is it still just the same guys that started it in the beginning or have you had to there's still the there's still the same five partners uh but you have had to brought bring people in yep uh because the five of us literally couldn't handle the workload by ourselves like a city (laughs) no well um not quite that no not quite that uh we you know we we basically roster where everyone's going to be in terms of you know availabilities and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth but we we have about a revolving cast of maybe about seven or eight people who 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 will be at a couple of events if if you know for the sake of the argument I might be in London yeah, yeah. on the same night that a Manchester show is on so yeah. so yeah so to a certain extent you know we we, we have a and we have a the, the people who 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 do it with us um who we've asked to sort of come along love it as much as we do you know they they have a blast doing mm-hmm. it and um and it's great and um, we yeah don't touch wood, long may it continue, yeah. you know. So you've got no plans for it to kind of to get to a point and then go, right, that we're done with it now, or are you just gonna Do you honestly on? think I'd tell you that on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Um yes. I mean fairly candid about a lot of things, of but of course you know. you were. Uh, <laughs> we you know, we're always kind of looking at, at, at ways to um, ways to expand it. Uh, I, I think the thing is is we all still love doing it yeah, yeah. so much yeah. that that uh, it's it's genuinely a pleasure to do uh, because you know these songs are amazing. So why wouldn't you want to belt them out on a huge rig and sing along with a thousand people? You know, once a month. I think it's it's a, it's a great it's a great mm-hmm. thing to do. So um, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, cool. One thing that you need to have to be in order to, ex- to succeed in A and R in music publishing. One one thing um, mm-hmm. above all else. Uh, I'm sure there's I hate not these one questions. Thing. It's it's so not one thing. I think I think I think that you know what? Don't be a dick. Nice. End of. You know, uh, just don't be a dick. When you know, I, I did a panel with the MPA the other day, and I was asked kind of something a similar question, yeah, and, yeah. and my answer was, you know, when things are bad because they will get bad, strap in and and ride it. But when things are really really good, and they hopefully will be, 
don't be a dick, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's the one thing I've kind of learned. You know, you, you, you just do your job, you work hard. Don't lose your passion either. I mean, you know, the moment that I kind of go, music's not for me anymore, I'm putting on my coat and maybe going back to New Zealand and learn how to farm a llama or something like that. You know, it's, it's you know, uh, but I still love music. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, I think this is the thing that gets me out of bed most mornings still, so it's good. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming round. Yeah. <laughs> Massive thanks to Flash for getting involved with this. It was a really great chat. Um, like with everybody, I'd really love to get back on to talk more candidly about some of the specific things that we just didn't get the chance or the time to talk about in that hour. Um, If you want to get in touch with Flash yourself, do so via myself at the podcast, via the email address, behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with me that way. Uh, You can also get in touch with me via Twitter at Danny Champion and also via the podcast Instagram account behind the business pod or at behind the business pod. Um, Please do check out all those things. Please do watch this space for all the fun things that I'm hopefully going to be putting together for 2019. Um, We've got We're about halfway through the first series of these conversations. So this is number 16. Um, There's at least another uh, 13 or 14 of these to go. Um, And I'm hoping to start sorting out season two. So if anybody's got some suggestions or some requests for season two, please do get in touch via any of those mediums. Until next time, see you later.